0: Thank
1: and welcome to the last episode in the first series of The Art of the Matter. I'm very grateful to all of you for the numbers that have downloaded this weekly show and I urge you to keep the podcast on your iTunes because over the holiday I'll be presenting weekly two-minute bulletins before launching into the new series next term. On a serious note... I have taken on board all your comments regarding sound quality, volume balancing and item length, and will do my utmost to improve them into Season 2. I only make the show so you can enjoy it, and I promise I will strive to do better for you. Later tonight, we'll delve into the murky pool of student work rates and consider whether our academic efforts are worthy of state funding. But first... The Gaza sit-in caused a big stir back in week four of this term. It quickly spread beyond the law faculty to the outer limits of the university. But since the protesters were starved out by the faculty, they have been strangely quiet. There seems to have been no major activist follow-up. Why? I'm now joined by Felix Danczek, our senior student inactivity correspondent. Hello. Hello. The story of the sit-in has been well documented and reported, certainly raising awareness of the situation – what can we expect now from the protesters? Difficult
2: to say, difficult to say. After such incredible success with the pro-Gaza project, the group doesn't want to rush into anything too quickly. I mean, it would be tragic if all the good work that's been done so far was to melt away to nothing. Just think of what they achieved. Mass media publicity, a watertight excuse to avoid lectures, naught percent of their demands met and mass support from dons across all faculties. Imagine if they messed up all that by actually going out and doing something. So that's why you've heard nothing from the protesters since the sit-in. They're scared of spoiling their own achievements.
1: Uh, One second, one second. Not everyone was positive. One don publicly stated, and I quote, that the occupation was a puerile act of collective masturbation in which the object was not really to improve any situation, unquote. How did the protesters respond to such comments?
2: Yes, that is true. Quite a lot of people said that. But you know... They are the haters, and it's not the protesters' job to listen to haters. They will continue to do what they do best. Nothing. For six glorious days, they were able to sit around and do nothing in aid of Gaza, and now they will go one step further and do nothing entirely for its own sake, leaving the rest of the uni to take up the slack.
1: Now, I thought you might say that, so I came prepared. If the protesters are no longer ready to speak out about this vexing issue, radio DJs such as myself will have no option but to do it for them. In that spirit, it is my honour to introduce to you this week's Art of the Matter song. It's called I Predict a Sit-In and deals with the Gaza protest. To repeat, I predict a sit-in. Take it away, chaps. (laughs) Watching law students get larry. It's not very pretty, I tell thee Walking through Sidgwick is scary Not very sensible either My buddy Gerald got mowed on He looked the wrong way at a custodian Trying to go to a lecture The protesters ran him through (laughs) No, no, no No, 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 no 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 na. No. What hell? I predict a sitting. I predict a sitting. I predict a sitting. I predict a sitting. Whoa! They're speaking for those who are not free. Between making day trips to Sainsbury's, if you find the politics of. Then the rock comes and kicks up at midnight Songs in line with their true hope Like maybe some abba or meatloaf They're fighting the oppressive powers You know the people who want to work No, na, 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 na Na, 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 I say, I predict a sit-in Yes, I predict a sit-in. Are you listening, Cambridge? I predict a sit-in. Yes, I predict a sit-in. And if there's anybody left out there whose coffee wasn't traded fair, I predict a sit-in. There are so many things going on in Cambridge which make me so mad. Have you heard that Emma's May ball theme is Empire? Ooh, I just want to have a bloody sit-in about it! And do you know that male dogs get paid £10,000 more each year than female dons? Ooh, i feel a sit-in coming on! And do you know what really gets my goat? It's those people who recycle aluminium cans, but don't wash the cans before they put them in the recycling. The cans get so dirty. Ooh, I can feel a sitting coming on about it. And the worst thing, oh, the worst thing are those sexist, chauvinist pigs who just look at you and just say something really sexist and really chauvinist and you didn't quite hear what it was, but you're sure it's really sexist because they're a sexist pig. Oh, they annoy me so much. I can't stand it. Ooh, I can feel a sit-in coming on. A sitting's coming. Ah! I predict a sitting. Yes, I predict a sitting. I predict a sit-in, yes I predict a sit-in, and if there's anybody on the site, who thinks that doing work is right, I predict a sit-in, get ready Cambridge, because the next time any one of you annoys me, I'm going to snap back with a sit-in you have been warned. search of even more proof of the idiocy of the protest group, log on to CambridgeGasalSolidarity.blogspot.com. Death to student activism. You're listening to The Art of the Matter. Next up, a documentary looking into student work rates in Cambridge. Please enjoy. (coughs) For most people, university life is a mystery. Students are like wild animals. Their movements are hard to track, their needs and habits are difficult to fathom, and they maintain sloth-like inactivity for a large chunk of their waking lives. But unlike wild animals, students cost the taxpayer millions of pounds every year. Despite constant liberal smoke-blowing over the issue of student fees, universities continue to run on public money. Is it right that the average Joe and the common Susan still provide the lion's share of funds for Britain's higher education system? Should student fees be increased yet again? To find out, the Department of Education commissioned a new survey looking into how the public's money is used, where it goes, how it's used and where it goes. The latest instalment, Investigating the Work Ethic of Cambridge Students, was published at the start of the Lent term, or in civilian terms, January. In essence, it investigates whether we deserve public funding. Do we work hard enough to merit the cash we fritter away in the pursuit of knowledge? Of course, the full report, running in at a mammoth eight pages, is far too long and complex to be read fully on a commercial station such as CUR 1350. But I can certainly offer you an abridged summary, skirting around the major points and arguments, skillfully avoiding an unnecessary fact here, a misleading trend there, to deliver you, dear listener, straight into the heart of the government's thinking on this vexing issue. To do so, I must cast aside my passionate, opinionated radio demeanour as intense as De Niro in Raging Bull for a more mature, objective perspective, reminiscent of De Niro in Meet the Fockers. The report is entitled, Student Spending Sucks the Soul of Society. It is clear from the outset that, for us learned folk, this will not be comfort reading. The summary sheet, for that is all I have actually seen, reads thus. (coughs) I enter my character. It is claimed that a successful Cambridge student spends 50 hours working each week. This is surely the most shameless piece of over-exaggeration in the whole history of the universe. Any one student who claims to do 50 hours is either a barefaced liar or an intolerable nerd. In truth, the average Cambridge student notches up but 20 hours each week. And even this figure, initially as impressive as Ian McKellen in King Lear, becomes, under scrutiny, as impressive as Ian McKellen in X-Men 3. And of these supposed 20 hours, seven are spent checking and updating Facebook statuses. Four are given over to the creation of work-productive snacks. And two are spent checking essay titles for spelling errors. And even these figures, cataclysmically, mind-bendingly, orgasmically underwhelming as they are, are skewed by the existence of diligent natsky and mathematics students. For if there is one thing this survey demonstrates, it's that art students are the single biggest drain on the taxpayers' money since the Doctor Who Christmas special. Statistics indicate that on the astonishingly rare occasion that the wind is just right, the stars align, a baby's tear drops onto a freshly iced fairy cake, and art students knuckle down to do some bloody work. The lion's share of their time is spent glancing at Wikipedia plot summaries or abusing themselves to Shakespeare's sonnets. Surely, in a just world, the arts student would be ranked as one of the lowest members of society, slightly above paedophiles, slightly below those who own a Will and Grace box set. The survey suggests that the problem lies in the iconography of this Internet age. Students have no hard-working role model to look to for guidance. In a worrying development, Che Guevara, who whatever you think of your politics, is a dedicated individual, has been replaced as the number one student pin-up by Usain Bolt, a man who dominates the field without ever trying and eats chicken nuggets for breakfast on the day he sets a new world record. Is this who we want our students to aspire to be like? A bone-idle nugget scoffer? Furthermore, the survey suggests that these trends are just the tip of the iceberg. It remains possible. Nay! Probable that we will see this period as a golden age of productivity and commitment. In the next decade, student work rates are set to drop right down into minus figures. This being defined as the moment when a student is more likely to commit a federal crime than to write an essay. It is a dark time for student work rates. Can we honestly say we deserve public money? And I'm back in the room. Apologies if I got too deep into my character. Naturally, all this negative publicity has generated a furious reaction from the university student body. Stores, or the Society to Acknowledge the Work of Students, has campaigned tirelessly and irritatingly to correct the injustices of the report. I met with their press secretary, and she was kind enough to explain why their reaction has been so
0: strong. The incredible bias of this survey is utterly unacceptable, and as such, we will not accept it. I mean the cheek of it, suggesting that Cambridge students don't work. We work, we're up to our bloody ankles in work, thank you very much. Just consider our average day, getting up at the crack of noon, hitting the books, then after some grubbits off to lectures for a couple hours, no break, straight back to college for lunch before piling into the library for up to two hours of essay work and diligent note-taking. This is more work than any other university on record, I have you know. The average Oxford student, for example, spends twice as much time wanking as he does working, and the Durhamites, aka Oxbridge rejects, spend the lion's share of their so-called work time flicking around a Cambridge website. We demand a full revision of this survey and an apology. What do you think we work hard for? Good grades? A sense of satisfaction? No. For credit. So give it to us. I think it's fair to say you have now been presented
1: with all aspects and sides of the debate. All that's left to do is for you to make up your own minds. <laughs> no, only kidding, only kidding. I'm going to tell you all what to think. We all have a moan about how much work we have to do, how tight our essay deadline is, how we're going to have to pull an all-nighter, take a bath full of Pro Plus. Think how much worse it could be. You could be at a lesser university, behaving promiscuously and partying all night. You could have stayed at home, carried on working at Sainsbury's and earned money to spend on your friends and family. You could have been forced to get a real job and spend your time paying off your debt to society. Breathe a sigh of relief, one and all. We've escaped the rat race. We chose this life for ourselves. We have figuratively speaking, been able to make our own beds, even though we've never had to do it literally. So grow up, strap on an intellect, dunk your head into a bass speaker filled with coffee, and prepare to watch your social life slide away under a near constant stream of deadlines and essays. It's the right thing to do, the noble thing to do. But don't forget to smile. (coughs) Smile! That's all for this week and for this series. All that's left to do is my long list of thank yous. Thank you to all of you for listening and downloading and to everyone who has acted and performed on the show. Do not delete this podcast from your iTunes over the holiday as I'll be putting out weekly two-minute bulletins before returning for a full second series in the Easter term. Take care, all of you, and Stephen Hawking bless. Goodbye. (laughs)